Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, and uh, welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart Radio. I know it's been a while uh, since I've been on the air, and um, but I wanted to do this show tonight uh, for you and for the believing community uh, worldwide that listens to A Sound Heart, because uh, we live in evil times. And because we live in evil times, we need to have the word of God in our hearts. And uh, so uh, tonight, I want to, I'm going to be speaking from Philippians chapter 4. And uh, the title of this episode, as you know, is The Resolve of a Mature Believer, quote, I can do all things through Christ. And this, of course, is a verse from Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. But I want to provide uh, the appropriate context for this verse. And so in order to do that, we have to have an understanding uh, of Paul's understanding of Christ. And so Philippians has been called uh, Paul's epistle of joy. And so after we have word of prayer, and then I'm going to get into a greater discussion of what that means. Father in heaven, I do ask that you approve, that you would provide us with enlightenment, through your spirit, that we might understand your word, Lord, that we might have a full or complete knowledge of the scripture so that we would worship, we would praise, and we would serve you appropriately in Christ Jesus, our Savior. We do thank you in his name. Amen. One of the things that I like to emphasize in my teaching is what the New Testament uh, emphasizes, and that is, uh, the word epinosis. It's embodied in the, my teaching, well, is embodied in the term epinosis. And so in New Testament Greek, this word means, uh, epinosis, uh, means a complete or full knowledge. A complete or full knowledge. And uh, of Christ and the things pertaining thereunto, that is, the things pertaining unto the person of Jesus. So uh, when we submit our wills to the Holy Spirit and we become like, when we do this, we become like the apostles 
who believed themselves to be, because they had submitted their wills to the will of God, they became bond servants of the Holy Spirit. They became the bond servants of Jesus. And so during that time, that meant that the, the servant's will was given over or swallowed up into the will of the master. So the servant no longer had his own will. Please understand that this is the foundation of, of, the, of the teachings of the New Testament, of the writers of the New Testament. This was their understanding of their relationship with the Lord, who was there, and the word Lord is curious. It means master. When we say our Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord, our master, Jesus Christ, or Jesus Christos, that is verily who he is. He is, uh, he is severally our Lord. Collectively, he is our Lord. And so you and I have a relationship with one another. We are, we're, we, we are the bond servants of Jesus Christ. And not only that, we have a conjoint relationship with Christ. And we are also members one of another. And so therefore, we are never to defraud one another. We are never to lie one another. But rather, uh, our actions and our deeds are to be... Uh, are to edify one another in love so that the body of Christ is built up. This is from the teaching of Paul, the mature believer in Christ. So we know that Paul met Jesus Christ on his way to Damascus. And Damascus is an interesting word, uh, in the Bible, and it means silent is the weave or loom of, uh, of, of the weaver. And so uh, it's a, a very telling term. Damascus is one of the oldest continuing cities in existence. Well, Paul was on his way there, and uh, God stopped him on the way. He was thrown to the ground. By the power of the Spirit, uh, he was thrown into the ground, and so the Bible uses a very interesting word in the Book of Acts. It, 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 the Bible uses the word "agire." It's, it is the same word that is used for the resurrection of Jesus. So Paul was thrown into the ground, uh, and when he stood up, uh, he stood up out of the ground, and so. This was when he stood up from being tossed into the ground. He was a guy, right? He was resurrected out of the old, and he stood up in, uh, into new life. This is what we have in Christ. This is what God does for us in Christ. Now, uh, we re- read that before Saul uh, had been breathing out threat against, uh, as Luke wrote, that 
Saul had, was, was breathing out threats against the Lord's disciples. That's the language of Luke. Saul of Tarsus had been breathing out threats against the Lord's disciples. And so that language that is used by Luke uh, is the setting for what is to uh, come hereafter. And that is this encounter with Jesus uh, that Paul was to have. It was decisive. And, uh, and so Paul, uh, who had been given uh, carte blanche to persecute and do harm to believers uh, through the Sanhedrin Council, now he was, he was stopped by the Lord. And so Saul died when he was tossed into the ground, and Paul stood up. And so Saul had eyes that could physically see, but he could not spiritually see. When Saul died and Paul stood up out from the ground, his eyes had scales over them. And now he could see. He could see for real because this was the blessing of God upon him. And God uh, said to the, to the believers, to the believing community, this one is to represent me before the Gentiles and their kings, and he will suffer many things because of me or because of my name. Now, Saul had persecuted those of the way, that is, those of the road. And if you read carefully the book of Acts, you will, you will understand uh, that this was one of the original designations that uh, the unsaved had for the believing community, those of the way. So, in other words, it, they believed it to be a cult a cult that was aligned under under Jesus. And so this is the way that they were looked upon by the Sanhedrin community and others of that time. This was merely a cult, and if there was nothing to it, it was going to die off. On the other hand, given all the evidence of the miracles of Jesus during his public ministry, there were those who realized, such as Nicodemus in John 3, who realized that God was doing a new thing and that uh, Nicodemus said, Rabbi, we know, we know that you are a teacher come from God. This was his confession. We know this. And so what I want you to see is that uh, that people may not confess Jesus because of their alignment or participation in a particular group, that even though they are, are aware of, of who Jesus is, they reject his claims upon them. And then there are those uh, who understand that this indeed is the voice of God calling me 
into a different direction, into a brand new life. And so they listen to God. That is, they have an ear for God. Remember, Jesus said during his ministry, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And akuo is the Greek word. It means to hear with a view to obeying what is heard. And that is the Bible, the biblical understanding of hear. It is the same thing that is used uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, believers are to hear the word of God. And it means the same thing. It means to hear with a view to obeying what is heard. So that's the difference. Uh, hear and do are one. I will hear the word of God and I will obey the word of God. Indeed, the uh, the name of the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the theme is love and obedience. One cannot say I love God and be disobedient to the claims of God upon, upon one's life. In the Bible, if one loves God, then obedience flows from the love of God. So, again, we have, uh, this is one. And so, uh, and remember that Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. It was given uh, to uh, the children of the people that God uh, led out of Egypt, uh, that is, led out of double distresses. And they, God led them out of Mitzrayim, double distresses, and because of their unbelief. Now, notice, they had seen in the first person the wonderful works of God on their behalf. When that faith, uh, that belief, and what they saw was tested, Please read Hebrews 4, 4. The word that they heard, uh, according to the writer to the Hebrews, the word that they heard did not uh, uh, change their heart. That is, the word that they heard did not profit them. See, when we effectively hear the word, when we effectively hear the word, the word profits us. And if we keep on hearing the word, the word keeps on profiting us. And so that's the wonderful uh, treasure that that you and I can amass by hearing the word of God. Uh, Thy word have I hid in in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Peter talks about being done with sin, being through with sin. And I love that language. Uh, it doesn't mean that the believer will never sin on occasion, but the practice of sin is over. Uh, the making plans to sin, uh, deceiving oneself into sinning, all that is gone. Because now the believer understands what eternal life is, and we get this, we get eternal life through and the eternal life we receive is God's very own life. We, as Peter wrote, 
we uh, have been made partakers of the divine nature. We have been made partakers of the divine nature. Now, Peter, when he wrote First and Second Peter, he was a mature believer. When Paul wrote uh, the 13 letters that he contributed to the New Testament canon, Paul was a mature believer. And we believe that Galatians, uh, that is, First and Second Thessalonians were the first letters uh, that he uh, that he wrote. Uh, now Galatians tells us in chapter one that uh, after Paul was saved, he went into Arabia. He went out alone uh, and there to be taught of the Holy Spirit. That is the things uh, with regard to the things that that God had shown him and had taught him. And so Paul went to seminary in the desert. He went out to be alone with God. Isn't that the way it is? And uh, we see that that Old Testament theme is carried into the New Testament. And uh, remember that when Jesus began his public ministry, he was tossed, or as Mark wrote, he was thrown into the wilderness. To be tempted hoopo under the devil. Paul was a mature believer. And what do I mean by mature? I mean that he had grown up in Christ. Paul took his faith, his faith seriously. And so <clears throat> please read again Galatians chapter 1. He took time. And the Holy Spirit grew him up in the faith. Now, Paul did not depend on any of the other apostles. Paul was taught by the Holy Spirit. One of the the attributes or one of the claims of having been an apostle is that one had to have seen the resurrected Lord. And so Paul had that in his resume. So no one could deny him his apostleship. Later on, uh, during the first century, false teachers, pseudo-dedastoloi, false prophets come along and make claims to be true teachers of the faith. And because they did not have this in their resume, that they had seen the risen Lord, we know that they, they, they were not real teachers of the faith. Paul was brought up by the Holy Spirit. He was told at the beginning of his ministry that he was going to suffer many things uh, because of, of the faith. Paul had done harm to many believers and so this is what we read about him in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, quote, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Again, the word Damascus means silent is the sackcloth 
weaver, for silent is the sackcloth weaver. And so, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. Now, the language in the Greek is interesting. So, pureto, uh, to lead over, to carry over, to transfer, to pursue one's journey, to continue on, on one's journey. As he neared Damascus on his journey, his journey ends. As he neared Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shines around him. And so now a new event has taken place. God has moved in, and uh, now God lays his claim to the life of this one whom he had allowed to go so far with his erroneous beliefs and understanding. And now God had moved in at a strategic epochal time for this one event, for this one man, because God is going to use this one man to change the Western world. Thomas had gone to India. Okay. Philip had gone uh, and, and, and he would speak, uh, uh, he would take the, the faith to the, the other nations of that area. It was Paul who would introduce the faith into Europe. The Gentiles would have an opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus through Paul. Paul originally wanted to go to his own people, the Jews, but that was not God's plan for him. And it's interesting to me when I study the New Testament and uh, how God how God used Peter and how God used Paul. Now, the the book of Acts is divided between the ministries of Peter and the ministry of Paul. Now, the Gentiles call themselves by different ethnicities, nationalities, or even uh, the 19th century anthropological term race or races. Paul says in the book of Acts that God has of one blood made the nation. One blood. Universally, there are only four basic blood. Gentiles divide themselves by skin color, by by hair, and they use these uh, characteristics to divide humanity. And they use melanin, the melanin content, the lack of melanin content, 
uh, within oneself to determine who will succeed and who will not succeed, who will have more and who will have less. And indeed, I'm learning more and more about uh, the United States and the hidden history of the United States and how that uh, well, I want, I'll discuss this at some, some other time, the things that I've learned, but, but, God, put, but uh, of God has a one blood made the nations, one blood. This is what God says. And so Paul takes the gospel to the Gentile king. He takes the gospel to the Gentile nation. And he doesn't have, uh, this is not without pain. This is not, this is not without person. And in Second Corinthians, Paul gives a resume of the things that he suffered on behalf of the gospel. When we read the, uh, the New Testament epistles uh, written by the Apostle Paul, We get an insight if you listen, if you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you, you get an insight, a deep insight into his mind and uh, and into and, and how God was leading him. I'm going to read to you from, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So this is what Paul writes, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is verse 3, quote, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. Remember, I told you this man was severely persecuted for his faith. Who comforted us in all our tribulation. Now, that word tribulation is from a word uh, in the Greek that means to break, to crush. It means to compress, squeeze. It means grievous affliction. Who comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them who are in any trouble? You see the equation, the exquisite uh, balance of the equation? Comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound, that should be superabound in us. Sufferings of Christ. Now, the media preachers who plead to the saints for airplanes and other items of luxury to make their lives comfortable do not teach about the sufferings of Christ. False shepherds and God. Uh, Jesus Christ, who is the chief shepherd, as Peter calls him, the chief shepherd will appear. We pastors are under shepherds of Christ. So when the chief shepherd shall appear, things are going to happen. And all those false shepherds will receive the reward for what they have done to do harm to the heritage of God. For as the sufferings of Christ superabound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. 
And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering with which we also suffer. When you read, when I read these words, I can, uh, I enter into the exquisite and deep understanding of this, uh, of this man. Uh, the organization of his thinking. The mature, uh, the, the, the maturity of his thinking in Christ. He goes on in verse 7. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the suffering, if you are a real believer, you are a partaker of the sufferings of Christ, if you are a real believer. And sometimes I'll watch and I listen to people who say they are believers, and I look for certain tells. I look for certain tells. And I, I know if it's real or not. And here's one of them. Are you partakers of the sufferings? So you shall also be of the consolation. For we will not, brethren, have you ignorant of the trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure. That means to weigh down above strength in so much that we despaired even of life. Some of the pressure that, that Paul suffered for Christ. But we had... This is verse 9, but we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. The resolve of a mature believer. I can do all things through Christ. This is not merely a verse. It's not merely words to put on a T-shirt. Not merely uh, words to be used as lyrics for some superficial song or merely to be quoted. These words emerge out of the, uh, the terrible sufferings of Paul on behalf of Jesus. And why did he do this? Paul had an unending thirst for Christ. And his focus was merely was on Christ. He, uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Were his words. I am crucified with Christ. And that goes for every real believer. Every real believer is crucified or was crucified and was buried and rose again with Jesus. That's the reality. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raises the dead. When I read these words, I think about the lines in Paul's face. I think about the deep reality in his eyes of what his voice must have been what his presence, his demeanor must have been before other things. Because at the end of, of Galatians, he says to, these, to, to this group, uh, leave me alone. 
for I bear in my body the markings of Jesus Christ. The stigmata of Christ, the stigma. I bear in my body the stigma of Christ. He wasn't ashamed of the of the stigma of Christ, but he knew what it meant. And when I read in Hebrews 11, the, the writer there talks about those of whom the world was not worthy. I know Paul was among them. I know Peter was among those. I know Isaiah was. It is believed that Isaiah was sawed in two for his faith. It is believed that Paul himself uh, was beheaded by Nero. It is believed that uh, that Peter was crucified upside down. We don't know how Thomas died in India. We don't know. We know that Jeremiah went into exile with the people of God. He would continue. He would continue his ministry on through the destruction of Jerusalem. He would not abandon his people. He would not abandon the people of God. These men were mature believers. And I remember the faith of Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb asked, for, you know, this mountain. He said, there are giants there. He said, give me this mountain. Because, because he knew that he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. He knew this. Give me this mountain. We live in a culture that wants believers to be small. They want you to believe that your voice is that you're nothing, that your value, the only value you have is your value to them in a very simple manner. But as a believer in Christ, you have eternal value. For you, Jesus was buried. For you, Jesus rose rose from the grave on the third day for you in order to, uh, to justify you. And we are justified by our faith in Christ. And because of Jesus, we have, God has imputed unto us the righteousness of Christ. The very righteousness of Christ has been reckoned to our account. Who shall lay a charge against God's elect. No one can. Who died? Oh, I love, I love Paul. And Paul was not merely an intellectual theologian who wrote books and and to and discourses uh, on the attributes of God. Paul, Paul was a living witness. Paul suffered. Paul endured for Jesus. And so this is why I I have books from theologians. I have many books from theologians in my library. I use them a lot in school. I barely use them now. 
I mainly spend more time just just with my lexicons and uh, and just with the notes and what I've studied over the years in the Word of God because now my walk is different. And so this is what – so Paul, this is what he writes uh, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, quote, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Beodius and beseech Syntyche, or Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my my fellow laborers who names whose names are in the book of life. And this is what it comes down to. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, then you are not saved. Then you don't have eternal life. And so we are told by Paul to make our calling and election sure. We are told to make our calling and election sure. We have work to do because as you look around this world, this place, what is going on here, People poisoning the skies in Ohio and poisoning the water, the severe weather patterns, the coldness, the heat, the floods, the attempt to destroy the food supply, the attempt to... uh, just make life miserable. You really want this? I'm here to tell you that there is another way and there is a real life and that is through Jesus Christ. And the things that we're suffering today and that we are living through today, listen, they had similar things in the first century. There are tyrants, there is tyranny in the first century. Or read Galatians, or read Romans chapter 1 about the type of sexual excesses and what these people were doing. <laughs> it would take, I would need several whiteboards or several blackboards to really uh, exegete and go through Romans chapter 1 so that you will see what Paul was writing about and why. What he saw of the Roman world. And that was just the, the foundation for Paul's teaching uh, 
about soteriology, that is the doctrine of salvation. It was this great book that inspired Martin Luther to become a believer. Many great reformations throughout Western church history have happened because of the book of Romans, the Roma brief in German. So a very powerful uh, and important book. But Paul goes on in Ephesians 4. He writes, verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Just think about what he has suffered and what he is able to say. And I can tell when a saint, when a person is a real saint, I can listen to the prayers. I can hear with my heart the reality of the living Savior. I can tell by the way this individual says the name of the Lord and how he is addressed, and the wonderful way uh, that this person, you know, can speak to the Savior. I I had a mentor. His name was Jerome Fleischer. He he worked with the Friends of Israel and the American Board of Mission to the Jews. I always love to hear Reverend Fleischer pray. And it was with such openness, such honesty, such humility and integrity. I'll never forget the way he prayed. What a wonderful man. What a beautiful person. I'll never forget Reverend Flasher. And how being with him changed my life. A very wonderful man. So, and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I trust these words. And I believe these words through the Spirit. And I know from what Paul has written about his suffering and what has emerged in his character is what? I see Christ formed in him. I see Jesus formed in his life. And I hear the voice of Jesus. And I see the presence of Jesus in Paul. This is what God does when we become real with him, the reality of Jesus begins to shine through. We're no longer the center. Jesus is the center. And something marvelous takes place. We we have been made partakers of the divine nature, and that is what I see in the words and in the right. Oh, it's very powerful presence and what the Lord did for him because Paul was completely committed for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. We can have a wonderful life if we would just but humble ourselves under the hands of God and see what God can do in us, through us, for us, and what our lives can truly mean. The, the blessings and the works, the wonderful works that God can do through us if we believe him.
and say unto this mountain, Be ye uplifted and removed into the uttermost parts of the sea. Will be done. Good evening. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.